I've worked a lot of different industries and jobs. I've learned it's okay to just walk away from something if like you're not ready for it. I don't want to do something fast to do it wrong. I'd rather flow and do it right. Like I've turned down opportunities that I just didn't feel were I was ready for, even though they may have felt I was ready for. Like somebody asked me to go train at like this big location. And I was like, no, I'm okay with getting to my destination slower than somebody else. I'm not in a rush. Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. Well, when you first said it, I was going to hang up. <laughs> yeah. and... It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, Andre, show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I, I can't to... do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, they panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast, your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today, I'm excited to welcome to the studio Dennis Rodriguez. If you don't know who he is, you are missing out. He is doing something very special on Instagram. I really think there's really, for me right now, there's only about four or five people that I really want to see every day because they do something fun. They do something creative. They're not just copying everyone else and reposting. They're fresh and original, and Dennis is definitely one of those people. He has a character called Tati, which actually, I haven't seen that in a while. He's kind of moved on from Tati, but he's done a lot of fun stuff. Stuff, and he's definitely worth a follow. And we're going to get to his kind of his whole journey, where he started. Uh, like a lot of people, um, he kind of went one way and, and pivoted. So he started working in the last chain world. And in, and I know a lot of people like the dog on that, but he shares some good things that, you know, there's a lot you can get that's good from it, actually. And he was going to work, he was working his way up into the corporate side of things. And that looked like that was going to be his future. And then he decided to pivot and change and start his own solo business. So we're going to share kind of like that story and why he did it and lessons learned. Also, we're going to talk about a little bit about how he actually is kind of shy. And Instagram was not easy for him to get into, which if you see his Instagram, you're like, nah, that's not true. You've got to be into that all the time. Nope. Wasn't. In fact, that's the thing about life is sometimes when we start something new, we're not really good at it or don't feel comfortable. But then people see you two, three, four years later when you've kind of gotten an idea of what you're doing and you go, oh, it was always easy for you. And it wasn't. It wasn't always easy for him. And he had to grow into it and learn how to do it. And also the real fun story you'll want to wait to hear is not fun. It's actually kind of sad. He actually had to fire his mentor at some point. And so that's uh, that's an interesting tale for him to unpack and share with us and um, stuff that you can learn from that too. So anyhow, we'll get into that. But before we do that interview, we have announcements. announcements. 
And guys, we got really one thing, one thing only. We are right now in the preseason of LashCon. I got seven weeks from the day that I'm recording this. This is when LashCon goes live. So I have a lot to do. And because of that, I'm not doing anything else. We will be selling our Tusk's training soon. We actually just lease a space next to our current offices where we'll be doing more trains here in Southern California. So it's literally, you can look out the window and you can see where we did LashCon for three years live. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. And we can't wait to show it more to you guys, but we'll be doing business trains as well as a Tusk retention course. Those details will be coming soon, but we still will be doing some remote classes. We're not going to only do them here because we kind of like getting out there and meeting, shaking hands and seeing, seeing the country. It's fun. It's part of the fun. But that's all said, uh, we'll be announcing those dates soon. So probably in the next couple of weeks. So we'll have two classes, one in November and one in December. But besides that, you should be looking at LashCon. If you haven't bought your LashCon tickets, we're actually getting close to selling out. I, I didn't think we'd get there. I thought, nah, we're not going to sell out. And we actually are getting close. So if you've been on the fence thinking about you want to get your ticket now, and also we do have a payment plan, but it's only a two payments. So no more four, five, six-month payment plans. You got We only got seven weeks. So one payment now. Now, and then in 30 days, you make the next payment. And that's only going to be good for another couple of weeks. And then it's, you got to pay the whole whole shebang all at once. And that, I still got to assure you, is well worth it. It is four nights of parties, three days of a trade show, two days of classes, and just amazing amount of content and connections and inspiration that will fuel you for the rest of this year. Like You'll go into 2024 on fire after you come to LashCon. And you'll have a community. If you're not connected, you don't have a lot of friends in this industry, you will meet your tribe out here. I promise you that. We do have some add-ons, which we have not talked about Lash Lab. Last year, we sold out. This year, we have six. We added two more classes. We have Kim from Borbaletta teaching a class on secrets to lash lifting and how they earn two times the annual income. We have Yuliana from uh, My Lamination teaching double lash lift um, watch and learn. We have Ali is back teaching Slay to strip lash look because that was our... I think most popular class last year, actually Otto and her also had the two big classes and teaching last retention 101. She's from Digiana co and she's going to be teaching all about last retention. So if you want last retention, that's your class. Then we have Michelle who is in love with premates like us from imperfections beauty. So she's really going to be teaching you how to work smarter, not harder and learn how to use premates, right? Cause premates are an amazing way to grow your business and Get back time, right? You can get more clients in. You can make more money. And then lastly, we have Stephen teaching from Pretty Dash Beauty Website Factory is what we're calling it. Basically, in three hours, you're going to build your first website. If you don't have one and you want to get one, he's going to teach you how to do it. So that's our six classes, 150 bucks for a three-hour, um, basically, sit-down webinar. It does not come with your LashCon ticket. These are extra classes, and we have limited seats. They're usually, you know, 25, 30, 35 seats, so it's not like you can put 100 people in here. So buy your ticket and get that now, especially if you're already coming to LashCon and you're planning to be there for the Friday night party. Saturday morning, you got three hours. Why not take a class before you take some of the socials and networking opportunities on Saturday afternoon? You can slam or throw in a Lash class that helps you with your attention or helps you with your um, strip lash look or whatever there's lots of choices so go do that links in the bio and you, or if you go to the main website you'll see at the very top it says um buy add-ons you can buy your add-ons there and i think that's all it that's all i have for announcements otherwise guys oh one more thing if you're in the la area because of our new space we have we are looking for some renters we, we, i think we had three rooms but we only want to really rent two and um it's a really great opportunity to not really work you won't work for us you'll be on independent operator but you will get to 
be near us. We'd be more than glad to pour into your life and mentor you while you're here and teach you what we know. And you get all that included with your rent. So you cut, you get a room. They're big rooms, by the way. They're not small. And it, you got, it's a glass window that you get to see the streets in Pasadena. So you get, it's a, a nice big window, really big. I should get the square footage. They're, they're like double what your average suites are. And it's a, it's good space. I think you really like it a lot. So if you are in the LA area and you would like to, do that. Just email me at paul at lashcast.com and we will chat. And uh, we're almost done setting it up. Should be done in September. So, all right. Well, that's all I have for announcements. Now, let's get into our interview with Dennis, where we really just talk about kind of his last journey and all the lessons he learned over the years. Smart Cookies coming to you at the Lashcast Studio. So excited to bring to you an interview. We have a beloved guest with us today. I'm like, I can't, I'm so excited. Yeah, I can't, you can't even talk right I can't now. even talk, right? <laughs> Many of you know and love him, love his Instagram, love his alter ego. Dennis Rodriguez, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. I'm like so excited to be here. <laughs> like, we are excited to have you. You are yeah. just so much fun. Dennis has Dennis Lash Studio in Long Island and Denny Diva. On- Denny Diva, his Instagram. And he's obviously, if you aren't already following him, you should because he has one of the most original Instagram pages in our industry. Lots of fun, very creative, inspiring. Really humorous. great sense yeah. of humor. And- you just bring a breath of life to our industry and you are so delightful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's get into it. What we wanted to do today is first peek a little bit into Dennis's life. He basically started his career in a little bit different place than I think a lot of us do in this industry. And that he worked for a big last chain and he worked into that world. And we wanted to unpack that a little bit because I think some people have really negative views of him. Some people almost are, I think with chains, see that as a downgrade. Like how could you even think about starting a chain? that's like, it's going to over the dark side or something. And I definitely, and there's good and bad with anything in life, but we did want to see how and what happened there and why he went in. And then I really want to get into also really Dennis's background in social media because he brings a whole fresh approach to it. And I want to get into the creativity behind the how, the whys, and any tips he can give us. Cause I know a lot of you out there stress over social media. In fact, I know that's easily the biggest stressor. When I talk to lash artists, aside from finding clients, number two is like, holy crap, I don't know what to post on Instagram. It stresses me. I, I think about out it. the content. Get, is it funny? Is it dumb? I hate dancing. Blah, yeah. Blah. So. Yeah, we're shy in the beginning. I did not want to do it, but here I am. Good, good. Well, that's great to hear because you didn't want to do it. And I think that's going to be helpful for people because I think a lot of people are in that same place and they thought, well, I'd never want to do it. Or if they are, they're afraid they're going to fail. And we'll deal with all that stuff a little bit later. So let's first, let's get into talking a little bit about your beginnings. Like, how did you get into the beauty space? And how did you get into lashes? Because I know you are dual dual certified. You are not just an esthetician or a Cosmo. You are both. I am. I am. So I actually originally got into the beauty space actually because I got fired from a job because of social media. So it's like full circle. Really? So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So Tell us everything. Had, yeah. Okay. So I used to work for a big, I used to work for a cable company mm-hmm. and it was when social media was like just starting to like blossom and they came out with a social media policy and I posted something that technically violated it. It was something very innocent, but it was just like rules of rules and we got to let you go. I had no backup plan and I was like, well, I don't want to fall into this again. So let me go to school for something that I actually wanted to go to. 
So I always wanted to be a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. So I went to school for cosmetology. The hair world is brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And you have nice hair. You have very good hair, by the way. Really good hair. I've always I've been very jealous since I met (laughs) you. But hold on, you too can't have hair, Paul. No, we're not going there. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, she decided to get dual license only because I one, I'm a nerd when it comes to like learning things. And we literally had a demo for skincare from one of the sister schools that I went to. And I was like, I need to learn this. And cosmetology mm. doesn't teach you anything about skin. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's covered, but barely. Yeah. So I was like, well, I go to school for it. I want to learn it. Like, who knows what I want to do? And then I tried to be a hairdresser. It was very hard, especially being someone with like bills and like responsibilities. Oh, bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, why was it hard? Was it just hard to find clients working with was our hairstylist? Was it hair hard to get your specialty? I always say like it was hard to find a home where I could learn and build and I tried doing it on my own, but I had, I had bills to pay. So I had a second job to supplement everything and it just, it became too much. And honestly, this is why I landed into lashes because there was a, a chain yeah. <laughs> that was hiring and I was like, well, I need money and it's up and coming. Let me just give it a whirl. And I landed lashes. Just to go back to the hair, it's like with hair, because there's so many different techniques and things that encompass hair, color and cut and chemicals. In some ways, you really do need a mentor to show you all the ropes. And lots of us with lashes, a lot of people think, oh, I can just take class and learn it. And a lot of us are just thrown to the wolves. But you do need to learn the ropes from somebody else. And that's exactly what you did with Amazing Lash. But with, so. It sounds like with hair, you try to go off on your own. That's, I think, a little harder, right? It seems like to go solo and just work for yourself as a hairstylist. Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. I burned some hair off. That's okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> It grew back. It grew back. It, it yeah. does. You have to make mistakes. I remember being in beauty school, waxing somebody's eyebrow completely off. That's why it's <laughs> that's why it's it's school, right? You yeah. have to make those mistakes. Yeah. But I with what you said, Tustin, because that's actually one of the issues that I had with hair is I didn't have a mentor to like, hey, this went wrong. What what do I do? And I found that in the lash community. So I fell in love with it basically once I started working. What was that? When did you go switch from hair over to lashes? 2016. Oh, wow. So you've been here seven years, almost eight years. Yeah, he's a veteran. Okay, so tell us the story about how you got started with Amazing Lash. Okay, so it was actually originally came when they were opening, like they were really new to Long Island. So there was like one studio at the time, and then a new one was opening, and they came recruiting at our school. And to be very honest, knew me would never say this, but I was like, Lashes is not going to be a thing. (laughs) Whatever. I really did dismiss them at first when they came recruiting to our school. And then I needed a job. I needed money. So I looked on a hiring site, like like the Indeeds or whatever, and they were hiring. And I just, I put an application and they called me and I went and I got hired. And I think I had a little bit of a leg up just because at least in my area, I mean, I don't know other areas, but in my area, like I was literally the token guy. Like I was mm-hmm. the only male that was doing lashes in, I think there was like three studios or something on the island. I was the only doing lashes and everyone was like, oh, a guy does lashes? Like, oh, oh yeah. what? It's How like cool a novelty, right? You're like a specimen. Like, wow. Yeah. So that benefited me. And honestly, I'm really grateful that I went down that route because I tried the whole doing it on my own in the beginning for like a blip like of time. And this, I was finding the same thing. I had no one to ask questions to. 
this went wrong. What do I do? And I found that in working at the chain. I don't know if I can say I can say the name. Yeah, you right. can. Of course you yeah. can. Of course you can. So, yeah, I was at Amazing Lash Studio. And for what it's worth, I think it has its place. I don't really have anything against the franchise world. I just think for me personally, my path there ended when I just reached like my artistic limit with them because it is a franchise. They're ba- it basically, it's getting it out, like trying to burn in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And have a lot of artistic freedom there and i really started falling in love with like the world of lashes and i wanted to do more than just pick from this menu what do you want yeah any business their business i mean you have to systematize things and their model is correct me if i'm wrong but hire a lot of people maybe straight from school train them to do it a certain way like punch these buttons kind of thing and it serves their clientele well they get in they get out they there's a prescription of what you can get almost like a dry bar kind of thing and it works well. I mean, to lashes, a lot of people's first experiences are a place, something like amazing. Usually it's price friendly. Usually it's not going to be as expensive as, a, as someone working for a solo. So I think they, and they do promotions, I know, and they do marketing. So they're really so out there. So for clients, it's safe. That place is a chain. It looks like there's systems there, at least. It's better than some people sometimes going, where are you at? I'm in my house. And they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to your house to get my lashes done. <laughs> not yeah. to throw shade on anybody. No, but who just that la- can be scary for someone who's be. used to a, a salon experience to go to someone's house happens all the time it's not a bad thing it's just there's a barrier of entry there that could be stopping people while amazing lash is all over the country people see it it's become a brand that people are familiar with and so of course like dry bar people go check it out at least it feels a little more safe i'm guessing right but i think the i guess leg up that i said that i had was the fact that i already had a little bit of training beforehand so i got my hands and my feet wet in the world of lashes but some of the things that I saw people struggle with in the beginning, and I think this is one of like those pros and cons kind of thing with working for a franchise is when you work for them, it's like you get your training and you got to start taking paying clients like right away. And when you're on your own, you can go at your own pace. You can, you can take five hours first client if you want to. Is there a chain? You have to take a lot. This, can I ask? Let's get into this. How long was the training? 10 days. Oh, wow. Basically two full weeks. You were in training, learning their, their technique, their, their onboarding process. Yeah, it was a lot of models. I think it was like 20 models. Did they provide the models? No. Oh, wow. You had to get your own models? Yeah. Okay. They helped. I think every studio is different because they're they're franchised. So I think they all do it a little different. Where I work, no. We learned like the way that they wanted us to lash. And then we just replicated on the models. We had a trainer watching us and helping us and correcting us, which I appreciated because I didn't have that in my original training. <laughs> it was just, here's how we do it and go. Yeah. Now, was it hard? Did they teach you within those certain time standards? Were, were you trained like in the army? They've got to stop watching. They're like, go, stop. You you yeah. made it. Was it like that too? The longer you progress into the training, the more like they were like, all right, like now you got to start like focusing on time. Like the first couple, they're like, all right, you go a little over. It's fine. Yeah. Like you're learning. And I think that's why they do it so long because you do have to taking like paying clients like right away. Right yeah. away. So it gets easier. I mean, you're not good. In the yeah. beginning. <laughs> no one's good but in the beginning. Most people who take like a one day class. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still bare. I mean, a lot of people just take a two day class or one day class and then they go start lashing. So here, at least you had two weeks of hands on training. So with working at a chain, there, there always got to be pluses and minuses to everything in life. But we thought it would be good to inter- at least 
explain or go over what you're for you, what the good and the bad and the ugly was working at a chain. Cause there might be people right now starting on their career and this might be a perfect space and it'd be good for them to know what they'll get from it. It's good. And also understand that yeah, there are limitations. Nothing in life is all roses. So maybe you can give us a breakdown of the good and the, and the bad working at a chain restaurant or restaurant chain lash salon. <laughs> chain lash salon. Thing. I worked at a chain restaurant. Too. It's fine. Yeah. Honestly, I think the biggest plus is the fact is the fact that you do have a mentor and you do have someone there holding your hand, essentially, while you're learning how to lash and like someone there to almost provide like a little bit of a cushion for when you do make the mistakes. Like have a client who's like not happy or you royally mess up on somebody. There's always somebody like kind of like clean up your mess a little bit. So you don't have to like learn how to handle that on your own right from the beginning. So I really did appreciate that because that's one of the biggest struggles that I had when I was trying to be a hairdresser, I was like, I made all these mistakes and I had no one to help me. It's so brutal. Yeah. Like, it's, even like, how do you approach it? Like, how do you even like start to make it right or fix it when you yeah. need somebody? It's like water wings or, or training wheels. <laughs> you, you need somebody to help especially, you. Yeah. Especially back in like 2016, there was like nobody to ask about lashes at all. <laughs> like even on your own. So I don't know, maybe now it's a little bit different, but when I started, I think that it was such a plus to just have like, somebody to hold your hand that was like the biggest plus for me the biggest con i would say is just i've always been more of like a creative kind of person and it does limit you creatively like you have to do like a b or c mm-hmm. in, this, in this way and that's it it's like go work at mcdonald's and you want to be a chef right <laughs> like exactly. we make chicken nuggets and we make hamburgers and i know you might be fire. creative and you have all these wonderful ideas but just deep fry those nuggets now and get them to the customer, please. But you know what it's like? It's like when you're learning art, if you think about the way that the masters taught, the students didn't get to just paint their own thing. They had to do copies. You have to start with something. And so having like three different things to, to pick from when you're a beginner is fantastic because it gives you a foundation. But I can see where once you've reached a certain level of competence, you really want to spread out and do more creatively. It's kind of like what you, what you went through. And then you get hungering to do more. And once you have that foundation, you can. Yeah. I will say the one thing that I, I guess from it inadvertently is I learned how to work with what I have and how to problem solve with MacGyver in a sense. This, but this is all that I have available to me. How do I make it happen as close as possible? And I taught myself in a sense how to do that while still following the rules. So I'm actually really grateful that I started a chain because I don't think I would have been anywhere like near where I am now on my own. So I don't regret it at all. I'm glad to hear that because I think there is a lot of shade thrown on chains. And I think it's because it's a system. When you have a chain, a chain has to systematize everything because they have to create a consistent experience, consistent type of work. And if you just have everyone doing what they want, you don't get that consistency and then the chain will suffer. So if you understand what they're trying to accomplish, it's not some nefarious evil thing. It's just trying to create a a consistent experience. And it's a great place, I think, for beginning lash artists to get their feet wet. I mean, two weeks of training, no one gets two weeks of training anywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. That's a really rare thing. So to get that two weeks of training and then after they have that mentor, even if it's just for a year or two, but you worked a little longer, right? You weren't just there for a year. How long were you? Sorry, I was there for four years. Oh, four years. Wow. Okay. So So can you share with us how you went? Or well, yeah, because I know you didn't. You weren't just a lash artist. I believe you moved up into management and all that. Yeah, so I started off just as a regular stylist, and I eventually moved up in a sense, almost like I guess like a lead stylist in a sense. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have like a title for it, but like my franchise owners were expanding and they were looking to create more roles. So I became almost like an in-house. They called it a stylist coach. Like I wasn't necessarily like a manager. Like I was there to just mentor all the stylists that were there. I helped train them. 
I became what they call a master stylist. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's a master stylist? It, you had to do certain things within certain criteria. You had, to, you had to have certain metrics that you had to meet consistently. What are those metrics? I think you had to have a certain like retail percentage, certain rebooking percentage. They did give you like a lash test in a sense. Like this is one of my things that I never really loved about it. I just learned how to work within the parameters, but you had to work within a certain time frame to be a master stylist. You had to learn how to full set in a very small amount of time. And I never loved that, but I was always the type to, if there's a goal, I'm going to reach it. And okay. how long you had to do a full okay. set? <laughs> An hour and 10 minutes. Ah, that was always <laughs> the biggest complaint I've heard from people who worked at any of the chains. Doesn't pick, pick your chain. doesn't matter. They always said they make it so tight, the window of how fast you have to make lashes that it makes it almost impossible to do good work. Yeah. My question is, was there any guarantee to the customer with that time? Were they guaranteed to last a certain amount of time? Were you guaranteed to have a certain number of them? No. Client just knew you had a master stylist and you were booked this amount of time. Whether or not you were done, you were done at that hour and 10 minute mark because you had somebody waiting. Okay, did so you what pay, if they were they late? Did they pay extra for the master stylist? Was that the same price? Or Yes. Okay. Were you paid more as a master stylist? I was. I forget exactly how they paid. I think maybe I got like a higher commission or something like that. I don't know if each individual franchise like sets it up differently, but I know I think I got, if I'm not mistaken, I got like a higher commission. How many clients did you take a day and how many breaks did you have? It depended on how long my shift was, but I think I had like six or seven clients a day. Wow. They were like back to back. And you, you, you got a break. Like they still, they still give you a break. I think yeah. it's like in 30 minutes or something like that. It depends how long you worked. Every state's different too. So I do know that some of the amazing lashes are hourly. Some are commission. I think, again, it's up to the franchisee, what they want to do and how they run their space. I don't think it's universal. I know that the experience is the same and the time frames and the time lengths because the goal, I mean, this is the one of the things that people don't understand when you're on a salon. You re, time standards are everything because if you don't have time standards and you just let everyone just do lashes for as long as they want, one, it's impossible to book because you're just like, I don't know, he may take two hours this time, maybe three hours, and you can't really have a set schedule. So you have to have these very loose out time frames. And secondly, also, you do have a per hour cost that's going on. So when someone's in the chair, it's like a meter is running on your taxi. It's you see the money dollars are going out the door. That's costing you time to have someone in that chair. So you have to make sure that you keep your per hour charge high enough that so that's higher than what your per hour costs are. And that's one of the reasons why you have to have time standards. Because often what people don't understand is they will do a let's say an hour fill and charge 60 bucks. And then they decide to make it two hours. And like, okay, you made 60 bucks an hour, but you know, when you did two hours, you're now making 30 bucks an hour and you're probably losing money. When I was on my own, I first started, and like you said, you didn't know what you're doing. And I started in 2006. And so there was- Actually, you were 2005. Well. Yeah, but when I actually started my own business, yes. it was 2006. And I didn't know. I just thought, I'm going to pride myself. I'm going to give them the best work ever. So I remember the first couple sets that I did, like I literally took five hours or- Three hours one day. And then you I had, had people to, come back, right? And to, <laughs> to finish, I didn't know what I was doing, but it was like, I'm so proud of myself. But I didn't realize that I was making less the longer that I took. That's actually one of the good things that I, again, the, what I appreciate from working for somebody else in a franchise is that working for them taught me how to like manage my own books, like how to book appointments for myself when I did eventually go off on my own. So it taught me a lot about a lot of the things that 
newer lash artists don't take into account. I just have to learn how to do lashes. And it's more than that, especially when you're on your own. So I think working for somebody else was very beneficial to me. Probably helped you just focus on lashes too, right? You didn't have to worry about marketing and yeah. sales and, clo- and ordering product and doing all the other hats you have to wear when you're solo. You could just focus on the craft and get good at that. And then they gave you management training. Maybe they didn't, but you went became a manager. Did they teach you along that way too? No, but I was fortunate enough to have had a lot of different jobs before this, a lot of them being in like management roles. So I already had experience managing people. Okay. But they do give me basic things of what to do, whatever, but not nothing really super in-depth on how to manage a salon because that's a lot of egos to deal with. <laughs> yes, it, it can was, be. So dealing with uh, salon employees versus dealing with like office or like restaurant employees is totally different world. Really? What was the difference? I've been in both too myself. So I'd like to be interested to see what you saw different that made salons a little difficult. Can you dish on different cultures? The salon, it's a lot of like artistic egos, which are very big. (laughs) They don't want to be told that they're not doing something right. Versus an office or restaurant, it's very cut and dry. Like these are the rules and you didn't do it. And they understand In, in the salon world, one of the biggest struggles I had was bringing some stylists down to earth and letting them know, like, you're not, you're, you're not, not all that. Yeah. No. You, you still have to abide by the laws of physics. Right. <laughs> <laughs> very different world, but I learned a lot. It was such a hard experience, but very beneficial to me because like I said, I would not have known anything near what I know now being on my own had I not had that experience. From hearing you talk and and just sharing a little bit about your approach to things, I think that something that has served you well and something that I think other people can learn from is that whatever challenge that you had around you, whatever parameter that you had, whether it was time standards, whether it was design standards, whether it was like not having enough training, you said to yourself, I'm going to figure a way how to solve this problem with what I have. You're not going to blame it on anybody else. You're just going to get find a way to get it done. And you grew within those parameters. You grew within those tiny little strictures. And I love that attitude. It's like, I'm going to thrive no matter what comes my way or what fences get put in front of me. I'm going to figure out a way to get the job done. So I think that's a lot, a wonderful character about you, Dennis. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Proud of you. I always had the mentality of like, I voluntarily applied to this position. So why am I going to be miserable here? Like I either figure out how to make it good for myself or like leave. And I chose to make it good for myself. So they gave me and I met them. So that's a winning attitude for life because a lot of people think this isn't good. I'm why should I give my best if they're not giving their best to me? And they don't see an opportunity for themselves to grow. Like, yeah, maybe there was a ceiling on the way that they boundaries that they put, like you can only do these three designs, but you're going to figure out a way to operate within those that is going to benefit you. And you took a lot from that. Even what you said about your former jobs, the things that you had experience with before you took information and ways of learning and ways of dealing with solving problems to this. I'm proud of you. I think that a lot of people can learn from that trait. It's a winning attitude. Yeah. I just think a lot of people don't want to deal with like the hard stuff and well, it's taking responsibility. You took responsibility for your workplace. Like, I think a lot of people play the victim when they get hired. Like, oh, I have a bad boss. Oh, my job's boring. Oh, they work me too hard. It's like, well, they quit. My dad told me when I was young all the time. He's like, if you don't like your job, you just go find another job. You, you're not, you don't have to stay somewhere. You're not stuck. This is like the Soviet Union where you're assigned a job and that's what you do the rest of your life till you die. 
no, you don't like it, move on. So the fact that you're able to find a way to enjoy it and benefit from it so that it could help you further down the road. I think that's a great way to approach it. And hopefully some people are currently listening and maybe like, I hate my job. Like, it's all in the attitude. It is. It really is. I actually got a reality check from a former employee who actually told me that because I was like miserable. Because she was like, you sign the application. If you don't like it, just leave. I was like... (laughs) You're right. Uh-oh. Oops. Okay. So after you had been there for four years and you had gone as high as you could go, what were some of the things that made you think, I think I could do this on my own? I actually want to know, like, first, even before that, were you thinking about staying there and working your way up into corporate? Or were you always like, at one point wanting to go back and go solo, like Tess said? A little of both. So I originally was, I was happy there. I mean, not for nothing. I mean, there's obviously some other stuff that went down that, like, really is not important. But, like, everyone has their troubles at work. But I had no intentions of leaving originally. I was like working on my way up. I was getting to know a lot of people in corporate because they also have their own like conventions and stuff that I would always go to and all the people higher ups, whatever. And I was entertaining the idea of letting people know, hey, I'm interested. What do I do? But honestly, what really shifted that amongst other things was really the pandemic. When we reopened and I saw like how much of a demand we still had. I mean, while the world's burning. Yeah. I was like, okay, like, this is not going anywhere. Not that I had doubt, but I was like, this is here. Like, we're here to stay. I mean, the other backend things, which I won't talk about because it's whatever. Yeah, I don't want to like bad about anyone, but there was other stuff that kind of contributed to it when reopened. And I was like, okay, there's a demand here. I'm not nervous that during a pandemic, I won't make it. I was like, I'm going to start searching. And an opportunity came up because I don't know other areas here, but in Long Island, salon seats were like non-existent. And after the pandemic, they popped up like weeds. Oh, wow. Everyone wants to look good. And we were tired of like being sequestered in place. But he was saying sweet soap popped up everywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they were, but there was like two of them here. And then they were so hard to come by. Like once they were rented, they were rented forever. And then once they started popping up, I was like, I'm going to take it before it gets taken. I'm going to just hop on this opportunity. And here I am almost three years later. So So you've been in the same place for three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, wow. Well, yeah, pandemic changed a lot of things for a lot of people. And I guess for you, I guess one of the things that was nice about working at um, Amazing Lashes is it provides security. You're like, I could stay here. I'll have a salary. Even if you work in the corporate, you'll have a bigger salary. Very reliable, very dependable path I don't have to worry about versus going on your own. But I guess once you saw that demand, you're like, what am I scared of? There's plenty of demand. (laughs) I did reach a point where I was like, all right, well, I want to do more. And the only hesitation I had with going to corporate is that you stop being a lash artist and I didn't want to stop. Yeah. That's that so creativity part. I enjoy yeah. I enjoy doing lashes. Like I would love to like do other things along with it, but like, I don't want to stop lashing. So this is the only other route to go. <laughs> yeah. Now when you got on your own, you decided to launch, was it pretty quick? Was it easy to find clients? Were people pouring in or did you have to hustle? How did you get really started working for yourself? So I tried, because I'm very big on like karma and like what goes around comes around thing. I actually completely started from scratch again. Good for you. Good for you. I love to hear that because that's not the typical story for a lot of lash artists. No, a lot of people are like, these are my clients. I built their relationship with them and they feel justified because you're afraid of not having enough. But I'm proud of you. Yeah, my mentality was that if they find me, I've earned them. If they don't leave, then they weren't my clients. So I was pretty, not for nothing, not to toot my own horn, but I was very confident in myself. (laughs) So I did leave. I didn't tell anyone where I was going. I just said, hey, listen, I'm not going to be here anymore. They were like, what? They cried. It's fine. 
but I did still leave a little bread from Joe. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I did it the right way. Like I just, I, I created my website. Yeah. I made myself, I made myself searchable. You, you put yourself out there. That yeah. is That's the way fine. you do. It's okay to leave a few breadcrumbs. What is not okay is to be like, here's my card. This is where I'm going. And Find me later. Yeah, I'll see you next week. <laughs> and, you know, and start booking your next appointments too. I mean, we live in a world that if somebody wants to, they can find somebody. But what is right to do is to leave respectfully and say, this is your business. You've, you've come to do lashes here. The people that are here can take good care of you. I'm going to go off and do, do it again. Do it again. So Tuss did back in 2006. And that's what we always encourage solo artists. It shows that you're capable too. It's about affirming your ability as a lash artist. When you go off on your own and you build your own business, that you did it yourself, that you didn't just yeah. build in their salon and literally change the address and continue to build. Build. I, I get, we can get into that another time with people right now who are <laughs> listening. Going, That's stupid, Paul. I get it. But we just really like to respect owners because they've also put a lot of time and money into this. And yeah. I, we'd like to see the owners respected. And then, let, and, but like you said, though, it's like the golden rule. You want to treat others the way that you want to be treated. Yeah. Cause once you open right. your own place, people are going to leave you and steal from you and you don't want that. So don't exactly. set that same standard. Right. Exactly what I thought. I was like, I have aspirations to go on my own. I'm probably going to maybe one day own a salon. Who knows? And I was like, I would hate for someone to do that to me. Like, why would I do that to somebody? So yeah. painful. I really didn't want to. But like I said, I was also very confident in myself not to be like that person, but I, I knew people would come for me. And it did help being one of the only male lash artists on the island. It's hard. Yeah. Just type in male lash artist probably on Google and you pop really up first special. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. I follow Instagram and I've, I'm always looking for new people, but I still don't see a lot of guys lashing. It's not like 10%, 90%. I still feel like it's two, 3% guys versus like 95, 96 women. I might be wrong, but that just feels what it is still today. We're unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> But it helped. It helped a lot. Use what you got, right? You be, take advantage of your op- opportunities, your branding, your uniqueness, and use that. So once you got out there and people start, you've got the website up and you got your social media going, how did you start really attracting new clients? So you had some clients that found you probably through the internet and all that, but you had to start attracting new clients. How, what was your best way of getting that new client? My biggest help was word of mouth because I did have a clients who like, they would not let me leave like, the last room until I told them where I was going. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I had, there was like maybe three or four that knew and they spread the news like wildfire. But I started really posting a lot of stuff on social media, like on Instagram. Cause I really, I'm not gonna lie. I'm self-taught with a lot of things I, I, I do. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know a lot about marketing yourself on Google and Yelp and all that stuff, how other people do. So I just use what I know. And I just did a lot of Instagram and I started getting a few and then like, I'm very big on the customer experience. <laughs> so, and that's things that I did learn from working with for somebody else for so long and, and a whole bunch of different fields. So I really focused on how do I turn this one customer into two? So when I would get a customer, I would hand them like a bunch of business cards and be like, Hey, listen, you have friends, like send them to me. And I use like referral programs, but word of mouth was like the biggest thing for me. That's how you do it. I'm, we say this all the time on this podcast that if you want to grow your business, Yes, social media is important. You have to have a presence because they're going to look and want it's to see you exist. It's a validation. It's like saying that, yes, th- this person exists. Yeah, but before that, how you get them in is to create that amazing experience and have your, the people who you love, by the way, because now you get to pick clients you like. Oh, this is my favorite client. I'm going to really hit her hard to try to have her get her friends in. And then that client you don't like, hey, maybe don't give me any cards. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're like, hey, I don't think your friends are, I don't want more of you in my salon. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I did love that. That's affirming. That's what I, I, I mean, some people have come up to me and told me I'm wrong, but I always tell people that you want to build your business and create a great customer experience and great lashes and, the, and your clients will become your, your, your evangelists. They'll go out there and tell their friends about you and you'll be busy in three, four months. No problem. Yeah, I've honestly never spent any money on advertising. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you Ads, know what it is? It's yeah. because you're good. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you, a lot of people start out, they do focus on the power of their personality because the lashes aren't that good, frankly. But there comes a time in every lash artist development, usually it has to be around like two years. The lashes have to be the star. If you are good, people will follow. If you are struggling to fill your books, you might want to look at your skill level. Yeah, you don't want to be yep. that person on American Idol singing, think you're amazing. Just like some of the people <laughs> that you had to bring down. Girl, you're not all that. Yeah, <laughs> self-awareness is a very important skill. So let's move to the last part here. Let's get into a little bit of social media because I know that we talked about how you got clients and you built your presence online. But did you love it right away? Were you like, man, this is what I was built for. I was meant to be the social media king of the world. Or, no. No. I loved consuming social media in the beginning. Ah. And <laughs> To be honest, the reason why I started posting anything was more so that one of the things I did miss working at a salon, like mm -hmm. with coworkers, is you had that sense of like you had somebody to vent to who knew what you were going through. Yeah. Camaraderie. Right. And I used it as an outlet for venting, like things that we all go through. And little by little, like things just started catching on. And I was like, all right, well, let me like you just I let me add a little value to it. Let me just whatever. Cause I always I've always loved like training and teaching in some kind of capacity. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, let me use this to try and like get some sort of presence out there as like, I know what I'm talking about, but I'm also going to entertain you a little bit. Yeah. And I just kept rolling with the punches, whatever worked, I just rolled with it and it grew. I love, I love your sense of humor and I love how you, you are teaching at the same moment. Like one of my favorite posts is the whole thing about like, watch out, the glue can catch on fire, can catch cotton yes. on fire. And then there's the scene of you like looking on the street and then all of a sudden you poof in flames. It's just, it's just so funny. <laughs> like we don't see that, that kind of humor. Hum I mean, I don't know. I think that you're unique with that humor in the lash world. So I love it. Well, I a lot of people just they took themselves very seriously yeah i don't mean not so much now but everything that i would watch is like very serious very like buttoned up okay here's how you make a fan okay here's how much glue to use it's like okay i want to laugh a little bit and i've always like i always anything that i've ever learned or like even in school i always remember the teachers that like made me laugh and like and me and like i just retained information that they taught better so just adapted that style and tried to make people laugh a little bit while like throwing a little bit of knowledge at them and it's been working. And yeah. then like your alter ego, Tati, she's like all into the stuff that lash artists say that we all cringe at. And it's like, <laughs> you correct. I mean, it's just, it's a great way to get it out there, right? Yeah. She was a character. <laughs> so, okay. So she was a mistake. A total oh, really? accident. They create that character. I just saw a filter that I thought was funny on Instagram. And I use it to do something, whatever. And I channeled like these a couple of stylists that I used to manage mm -hmm. and merge their personalities together. And that just, it came out and it gave me a way of like saying what nobody is scared, what everyone's scared to say, but like in a funny way. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to come off as like, I'm talking badly about anyone or anything. It's just matter of factly, like this is what we go through. And she's a character that helps me deliver that message. And people loved it. People resonated with her because it is what you don't say. 
Exactly. You want to say these things and you want, but she's, she's a clown, right? She's over made up to, so that we know that we can laugh. We know that we can make fun of. We know that we can safely identify. I will say strategically what I love is that you actually took some people you knew and, and, and helped that fuel the personality. It wasn't just some random idea that you made up. You no. use some actually reality, like reality as art often reflects reality. You said, I'm going to come with that as my base so that you're not just like, I know I'm going to go with this goofy character. That's really silly. And I was like, no, it was, there was inspiration behind that. Yeah. And actually it was, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's, it was a little bit of the old me, mm. which is got my, my Instagram name it actually was given to me by somebody a long time ago. Cause I used to be a little bit of like a princess diva, like <laughs> attitude, like, <laughs> Whatever. It's actually one of my husband's coworkers, okay. and he just yelled it at one at me one day, and I was like, I like that name. Yeah. And I kept because I was like very. I've learned how to calm down a lot because of all my experience, but everything I do is from like an experience that I've had, yeah. and I try to spin it like, okay, how can I make it a teachable moment? So the whole Tati character, I've been like slowly not weaning her out. <laughs> But not using her as heavily because it's so fun. Not that I mind, but I feel like everyone initially is like, where's Tati? Tati, Tati, Tati. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm right here. It's me. I'm here. It's me, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, your alter yeah. ego is bigger than you. <laughs> a little bit. No, I get that. And, and I, by the way, I, I thought it was interesting that Denny Diva was the name of your brand or your Instagram because I never took you as a diva. You're nothing like a diva to me. And then yet you have this name, which I thought was almost like it was ironic, but I guess you're it's almost a reflection he's more grown. when you're yeah, you've grown. He's evolved. He's more mature yeah. now. He's yeah. So it's, proud it's of just, you. So I get made fun of a lot by my friends. They're like, oh, the princess is here. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Now for you, so we know that like Tati was had inspiration, but where do you look for ideas because this is probably the area that just everyone has that blank sheet like the writer's block where you're just like i need to come up with an idea in fact i've even seen it you i know you just posted something for LashCon, but i asked a bunch of people to do LashCon reels okay thank you for saying that because i am so good at making my own content when somebody asks me to make content for them i'm like what <laughs> blank completely blank and it's like i feel Mostly because I'm like, okay, well, I want to still meet their criteria because, like, I know how I would do things, but, like, I don't know how the other person would do things. So it's, like, really hard when you create for other people. But uh, right now I'm going, like, would you say, like, a little bit of a writer's block right now just because I'm finding, like, social media is getting very repetitive and everyone's doing the exact same thing. So I try not to force my content. If I can't think of anything, I'm just not going to post anything. I don't want it to come off very like phoned in. So you go for quality <laughs> over quantity. Cause a lot of people say, don't care about just post two times a day. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Just keep posting. But you're like, nah, I think I'd rather just wait. Just, yeah. I'd rather wait until I get like some kind of inspiration because I, I'm not proud of it. I don't, to me, it's like, I like the follower count. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But like it's really important to me. Like it's not really putting really money in my pocket per se. I don't care about growing my follower account super fast. Mm-hmm. So if it's slower because I post less when I'm not inspired, then that's okay. I think there's a lot to be said about creating quality content. You don't hear a lot of that on Instagram. We're talking about the masters, like how do you build a following? It's all about quantity, quantity, consistency and quantity. And I'm like, I still think that people who produce good content are going to win too. I don't think if you produce once or twice a week and that's all you can do, that's better than producing 10 pieces of crap. <laughs> right. 
I think a lot of people, I think they confuse it also because, like, I feel like the people who tell people to post, like, two, three times a day are the ones who are, like, their bread and butter is social media. Like, that's where they make their Thank money. Thank you! <laughs> My bread and butter is not social media. Yes. Lashes, so I'm going to focus on lashing. If that means I post once a week, then that's that's fine. That is 100% it. We see all these influencers who make money off of selling us programs online or trainings or social media tools or whatever. But the truth is, if you're a lash artist, you need to be focused on building your salon or your business and dealing with lash artists. And a lot of that Instagram is, is actually going to be a miss for you. You're not, that's not going to be where you're going to get, like you said, your bread and butter was actually referrals, not Instagram. So you don't have to post as often and hope that frees people up. One of the things I like to tell people is like, you know what? You don't have to be a, a content creating machine. If, as long as you're just trying to be a lash artist and deal with your community, you can do a, 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 a probably once or twice a week max is all you really have to do. Just have that regular presence, new content, new ideas. Otherwise you can, you can grow your business fine. There's plenty of people even not on Instagram right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think people just speak to the wrong people, but that's a whole conversation. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Now for you, yeah, well, let's talk about that. When you try to target your thinking, are you always thinking last artist or your page solely for last artist? Not really for last. Really? It was for clients. Yeah. But it more speaking to the lash artists because I'm not like a full-fledged educator, but I do train lash mm-hmm. artists here and there. That's something that I want to build on. So I that's why I focus my Instagram mostly speaking to other lash artists. But I think that's the problem that a lot of lash artists have is they speak to other lash artists when they're trying to build a clientele. Exactly. It's tempting to go for the likes, right? You just want to get likes and and not realize providing content that your clients would be attracted to is what you really need to do. Or in your case, like you want moving more into the training space. I'm assuming that for you, since you've pivoted, are you do you get more requests? So people reach out to you now saying, hey, do you do trainings and all that because they like your content? Actually, yes. I got a call that I was very excited about. So it definitely is helping me. So I guess I'm doing it right. Yeah, you got a lot of engagement. So, I mean, obviously building the social media has helped you in that sense. A lot of people don't feel like they're the right person. Like I'm not meant for social media. Were you always like this outgoing ham, silly person who liked to be the clown? Or is this something that's grown as your confidence has on social media? No, I'm actually naturally a very shy, introverted person. Shut Hmm. up. Really? Okay. Once I know you, like I'm fine. Yeah. I'm crazy, whatever you want me to be. But if I'm in a room full of people I don't know, I'm in the corner hiding from everyone. Uh, like, how did, I never would have pegged you that way. Yeah. I didn't like being in front of a camera. Like the first piece of content I posted with my face on it, I was like, I was sweating. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And I posted it and it got more likes than normal. Like I think it got like 30 instead of 20. And I was like, yes, I did it. Yeah. I'm naturally very shy. Actually, so funny, last year at LashCon, was my first year going and very overwhelming because I'm not used to that much attention. Got a lot of attention and I wanted to hide in a corner. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you had already blown up on Instagram and people had seen you. So I'm sure people were just coming up to you saying, Oh my gosh, can't believe you're here. Love you. And all that stuff. Right. I was not expecting that at all. That is so funny. I wouldn't have thought that. By the way, That's- I think goes to show that for a lot of you out there who are shy or scared to go on camera, it, it's actually something you're not born with. I think it's something you get comfortable with as you do it. So for you, it was just doing it. You didn't die. And then you, you got more confidence. Like, how did that go from total shy? Is there anything you could share about your journey to where you are now very obviously comfortable in doing it? What you just said, I did it and it didn't fail miserably. Yeah. <laughs> so I got more, like the more, it's just the, just doing it. The more I did it, the more I was like, okay, this is okay. Like I'm not, it's not so bad. 
And I started off with like little things. Like I didn't really like do the, all the skits and stuff in the beginning. Just start small, like whatever you're comfortable with. Even if it's just like a video of you working with some text over it, like that just kind of like ease yourself into it. And that's what I did. Like I just eased my way into it. And I started getting like a little bit of positive response from it. And I was like, okay, this, so this is okay. Let me do it again. And then again, and then again, and now it's just second nature. Like I still get, I still get embarrassed. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm so shy. Like I record videos. I make sure I'm hiding and no one's watching me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, if somebody's like watching me through my door, cause I have like, a good clue people can watch me. I'm like, stop. <laughs> stop. I'll let them walk by and do it again. Oh yeah. So there's still a little bit of shyness, but like it's a lot better. Have you ever done it where it was just too much? Like, oh crap, I really, that reel was so over the top silly or goofy that you just were embarrassed after you posted it and went, I got to take it down or, or just like, hopefully people forget about it. Not silly, but I didn't take it down, but I did post actually recently about like the pose that I was seeing everywhere. And it got like the response that I didn't expect to get. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever, it's there. It's, it's out there. But yeah. that's Fine. stuff that people like, I think. I, it's like what, what you think like that. Yeah. I love it when you do stuff that, I mean, just when we do stuff that's off the wall. And sometimes we put pictures that are really ugly of ourselves just because I think it's so funny. Because right? I'm ugly. It's no, easy. Everybody's like trying to be all beautiful <laughs> and everything. Like at the end of some of our classes, we have one where I have like chocolate on my teeth. So it yeah. looks like I don't have any teeth so and we're like making faces. It's I my just favorite think, podcast photo though. It is. Said. It's yeah. like I, because I, I, people don't expect that. It's just a reminder not to take yourself too seriously. If I had to guess why people like my content, I think it's just because like I don't take myself too seriously and I don't try and be like super aesthetic. That's very exhausting to me. People who like make everything super perfect and pretty and have the perfect backdrops. It's just very exhausting to me. Like yeah. I'm going to show up where I show up. If I show up with a stain on my shirt, like that's fine. <laughs> that's real. Exactly. I think that's relatable and people like that. And, and I think we are in an age now where people are really pushing back against the perfect curated pages and all the beautiful photos. People just want to see it's almost like a documentary now. They just want to see behind the scenes, what's going on, how you do it. Make me laugh. Make me smile a little bit because life is flipping hard already. So. Honestly, who is like in their bikini arching their back in front of their own window? I mean, it's like... <laughs> the way that I take it is like you can be successful but still be real. Totally. Have you ever burnt out on social media? I believe I remember seeing a post where you took some time off and walked away from it all because it was just you were overwhelmed or just done with it for a while. I go through that every now and then. Like, I'm kind of like there a little bit right now. Okay. It's hard to constantly come up with ideas, that just ideas in general. I'm not saying I have to always come up with original content, but like I said, I want to provide value to it. And if I don't, I'm not inspired by anything, I'm just not going to post. So like, I'm going through that right now. Also, because I was trying doing TikTok also and Instagram and it's just, it became a lot. Now we have threads and just like, oh my God, it's just a lot. So, but I go through waves. I don't ever like completely walk away from it. Like I'll still post like little things here and there, but like, I'm not, I think that if you're not inspired, like don't force it. You're not a slave to Instagram where you just every day. Okay. Great. Real. Doesn't matter what happens. And that helps you. That freedom will help you stay away from burnout. I'm assuming. Yeah, it does. Because I feel like people who try and force it too much eventually just are like, I'm just done. Totally. Bye. Gotta go. I've seen people rise and fall in their industry who come and burn real bright for a year or burn two bright. and then just poof, poof gone. Like ashes. This. Because I think they just are controlled by whatever they're driving. And if they don't get the results overnight, the money overnight, and 
it's so hard to sustain it's so it. hard to to stay the long game it yeah. really is something that i've learned over time like because i said I've, I've worked a lot of different industries and jobs i've learned it's okay to just walk away from something if like you're not ready for it i don't want to do something fast to do it wrong i'd rather blow and do it right like i've turned down opportunities that i just didn't feel were I was ready for, even though they may have felt I was ready for, like somebody asked me to go train at like this big location. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm okay with getting to my destination slower than somebody else. I'm not in a rush. That's us That's too. Golden advice yeah. too. Don't be in a rush to get to your destination. Yeah, Be purposeful, be patient, always take action, never just sit still and do nothing, but at the same time being patient and playing what we like to say, the long game, which is the theme of LashCon this year. And we'll be talking about that at LashCon is hoping people will know that it's, it's okay to take your time. There's no race here that's you have to be somewhere by age 35, 40, 50, whatever. It's whatever pace is best for you where no, you get no. the most joy. Don't you know you have to be a millionaire but, yeah. like within a year, Yeah, right? that's right. Isn't that yeah. that? Yeah. All yeah. those are millionaires after one Millionaires. <laughs> millionaire mindset. <laughs> yes. Uh, one day. <laughs> yes. No, and I think all of us will one day, but it's going to be because we all saved and invested our money, not because we did one training. <laughs> oh, yes. no, 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 no. Well, you want to ask one last question? Okay, Dennis, you told me a funny story. When I was working at Amazing Lash, they, how, how do I even say you, this? You just let them tell the story. Tell the story that you know where I want you to hear. You let someone go that you, yeah, it was not easy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So really awkward, but I was now in management at the time and one of my old beauty school teachers, I hope she's not listening to this, I but she's <laughs> a doll. But I mean, you got to call a spade a spade. She wasn't great at lashing. She was my cosmetology school teacher. So I trained her. We, we passed her through the training, but eventually it just became like, okay, we can't keep this going. And I had to fire her. Oh, that's <laughs> the worst. Because she was like my mentor. Like she like taught me a lot of what I knew and she was one of my favorite teachers. And then I had to be like, yeah, I'm sorry, you're fired. You know? <laughs> At least that you liked her and you guys, you respect her. It just was the work wasn't where you want. It'd be worse if she had a bad attitude and sucked. And then it would be sad then. Yeah, no, we're still cool. We still talk and stuff. Okay. It's fine. She, okay, good. Good. <laughs> this says a lot about your leadership, by the way, because most times if you have to let someone go, they're going to hate you the rest of your life. So that says a lot about you as a person that you were able to bridge that gap. This is awkward. But I'm going to have to let you go. But, but I, I still I, care I, I about still you. Like you. I still care about you. Yeah. There's no reason to make it worse than it has worse to be. Than it like, yeah. yeah, it's just the job. So. Yeah, that's super cool. All right, cool. Well, where can people find you? For those who don't know, you know, let them know where they can look you up and follow you on now. All media like Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, which we're all on now. Uh, yeah, I'm on all three of those. Danny Diva. Yeah, that's, cool. that's me. Danny that's Diva. It. And you're going to be at LashCon. Yes. I am LashCon. I'm so excited. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. That's only a few months away and can't wait to see you there and everyone else. And it should be a lot of fun. But thanks again, Dennis. You were awesome. It was a pleasure. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. I love you, Dennis. Thank you for saying yes and joining us. Thanks for asking me. (laughs) (laughs) You bet. That's a wrap. We are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Please follow us on Instagram at LashCast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. And the review is the key. We love the reviews. I do this every once in a while. But when you read those reviews, that gives us a fuel for the fire. And really, that's our confirmation that we're doing something special and we're doing something right. So please go write those reviews. We really, really do appreciate it. On behalf of my last model, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Dennis, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. 
keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.